Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute. I want to once again thank all of my guests and listeners for helping make Seasons 1 and 2 such a success. This season, we'll be yippee-ki-yaying our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action thriller Die Hard, one minute at a time. For anyone out there who's a little unfamiliar with what a, an MXM podcast is, it was originally created by Alex Robinson and Peter Reteller back in, uh, I think it was 2012, where they began the Star Wars Minute, which is now in its eighth or even ninth season. Not even sure. If it wasn't for the hard work that they've been doing for almost a decade, most of us would never be doing this. There are, as of today, as of the day of recording, there are 216 MXM podcasts out there, and the number keeps growing. So I want to give a quick shout out once again to all the MXMers who came before me and who have helped to inspire me to do this very crazy idea. Through the, the Facebook forum that, that I'm active on, I've got a lot of new friends and they've been all very helpful in so many aspects of creating this kind of show and helping things move along and move forward. So I want to thank everyone for that. On a personal note, I also want to thank uh, Jim O'Kane. He originally, he's, I guess, known as the godfather of the MXMs, and he's done, as of now, five different group projects, and one of those group projects was actually Die Hard. So I actually got his blessing in order to be able to do this uh, quote-unquote reboot, where I'll hopefully give a completely different take on the movie and on the breakdown of, of how everything happens in it. So hopefully anyone who was on that or who listened to it will find new stuff here and won't think that I'm just just uh, redoing everything that was already done before, which is why this is considered a reboot. On a personal note, I want to especially thank Jay Clute of the Deep Blue Sea podcast and the upcoming Con Air podcast for getting me to finally start doing my own show a year and a half ago. Without Jay, I never would have gotten to season three, and this never would have reached the point where it did. This season, we will have almost 27 different weeks of shows delivering delivered to you every weekday from now until New Year's Day. So sit back and enjoy all of the 132 episodes as my weekly guests and I will begin to dissect this amazing thriller, which has spawned so many other thrillers over the years in minute detail, one minute at a time. I'm going to be doing things somewhat similar to what I did last season, but also I'm going to be changing things around a little bit. So I hope that the listeners will enjoy as my guests and I take a very deep dive into this movie over the next six and a half months. So you can look out for some new features that we're going to be doing. We're going to be along with some old ones or along with some ones that we did last season. So we will have a tweaked version of Off the Beaten Track on two days this week, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. On Mondays, we will be having Die Hard on a Monday. On Wednesdays, we will have Hump Day Hans. And on Fridays, we're going to have a weekend surprise. So, I mean, after a few weeks, it no longer will be a surprise, but it's for as long as possible, it'll be a surprise for, for the guests. My guest this week is none other than the aforementioned host of both the Deep Blue Sea podcast and the upcoming Conair podcast, Jay Cluett. Welcome, Jay, to the inaugural episode and the inaugural week of season three. Thank you, Rob. Like Beetlejuice, you say my name three times and I appear. Hello. Hello, uh, hello. <laughs> pleasure to be here to, to start off another film with you. Yeah. I'm 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 glad to have you. You know, I mean, I we did talk yesterday, but that was to finish off planes, trains, and automobiles. And you know, people people get six days of you. You know, they know yes. we'll just get five <laughs> days of Jay. You. you get six days of Jay. I I I think they are. I I definitely think they are. But we'll have we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. That's the that's the way this all goes. So minute one of Die Hard begins with the 20th Century Fox logo and ends with McLean responding with a question. But before we get into the minute itself, let's talk a little bit about Die Hard. Okay. Okay. That's what I'm here for. That's right. 
so Jay, do you know when Die Hard was originally released? I know it was 88, but beyond that, I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a difference in countries, as as usual with most films. Oh, that okay, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> there are other reasons why I didn't see it when it came out, but we won't go. Yes, I was one. Uh, <laughs> um, no, you weren't. You weren't one yet. Okay, so the the movie was originally released on July fifteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Okay, I was almost one. You were almost one. That's right. Another three weeks, four weeks, yeah, something like that. Yeah, three weeks. The budget of this movie was $28 million. And do you know how much it made? Not a clue. So it grossed over 140 million theatrically worldwide. Uh, it is largely considered by many people, including myself, as one of the greatest action films ever made. The, the film actually spawned four sequels, which maybe at some point we will get to minute by minute over the next few seasons, years, Whatever it is, we'll have, to, we'll have to see. It has also spawned video games, comic books, and uh, lots of other movies since it created a genre. The the genre that it basically created was the one man against the against the odds, against many. I don't know how, how you want to really against the world. There you go, against the world. So yeah. <laughs> So Die Hard also came out. I, I remember it came out on. Well, actually, let, let's start with that. Jay, when did you first see Die Hard? Do you remember? Oh, I I, I do not remember a time when Die Hard didn't exist. Uh, so I mean, it has existed my whole life, almost um, my whole whole life. I can remember, but no, I have no idea when I first saw it. I don't remember a time when I hadn't seen it. Uh, I, I I know that I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance first. That was amongst my first ever favorite films, uh, so I would have seen that on TV with my with my dad maybe. Uh, but then I don't. There was there was no real effort to go back and and like here is Die Hard, uh, bow down before it. Uh, it's just it's always been there. It's always been like this perfect film, and every time I watch it, it gets better somehow. It finds more and more ways to be perfect. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. I mean, it's been thirty four years since it came out, and it's it's still so much fun to watch. As many times as possible. I mean, I personally it came out in '89 in the UK. Oh, really? It came out. It came out February '89. Wow. In the UK. So okay. that, the the whole Christmas came and went. It came out. So you you were you were uh, a month you were a year and a half when you said when when it came out in yeah. England. So you yeah. actually had the opportunity to see it when you were older than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my my family and have were never big cinema goers. I I have broken the mold from that one. Uh, so yeah. the first one I saw was it like '94. Uh, so it was like The Lion King and Night Before Christmas. So oh, no, I think no you're talking about that hard with Avengers because that came out only in 95. 96, so. I want to say, yeah. No, it came out in 95. Well, in America, it came out in 95. <laughs> when it came out in England, I couldn't tell you. Who could say? There's that no I way of finding out. Uh, there probably is, but <laughs> it's not It's not worth checking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So basically, I remember when when Die Hard came out, I I didn't see it in the theater. I was 14 at the time. For some reason, I missed it that summer when it came out. The it, it's actually interesting when I looked at the box office of that week of when it came out to see what other movies came out and what what was considered number one. So number one, actually, let, let's start with what other movies came out the same day. Any any clue? No. No, not at all. Uh, this is this is not a game I'm good at. Good at is is when films got released and how much they made, especially in a different country. Okay, that's true. There 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 is fairness in that. Okay, so on the same day, the Clint Eastwood movie The Deadpool came out. I have seen that. Yeah, they had a Bambi re-release from Disney. Uh, Die Hard, A Fish Called Wanda came out. And a killing affair. I don't know what that movie is. No, same. But the rest of that, that top five is is pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Fish called Wonder, one of my favorite films. Love that film. Yeah. So the week that they came out, though, <laughs> so the the top film that week was Coming to America, which was in its third week, and it, it made ten million dollars that week. The Deadpool okay. was actually number two, where it made nine million. Then we had Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was in its fourth week, 
which made eight and a half million, followed by Bambi, which made seven million. And then rounding up the top five was Big, which was in its seventh week. Okay. Now, if you yeah. want to try and find Die Hard, Die Hard on this list the first week, you have to go all the way down to number 16. Well, it had a pretty limited open. It had limited, had limited open. There was, it was only on 21 theaters, but still, you know, it was, it, that, this was supposed to be the big budget weekend for it, you know, even though it was, again, only 21 theaters. So rounding out the, to reach 16, we'll go, so six was Bull Durham. Short Circuit 2, License to Drive, Arthur 2 on the Rocks, Crocodile Dundee 2, The Great Outdoors, Red Heat, Big Business, Phantasm 2, Willow, and then we get Die Hard and A Fish Called One at 16 and 17 that week. Now, if I if I uh, was one of the people who had made Crocodile Dundee 2, I would never stop bragging that it beat Die Hard on its opening, opening weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. Good point. Definitely agree with you on that. So let's quickly jump to the following week. The following week where Die Hard expanded to almost 1,300 theaters. It made it to number three that week. Number one was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, followed by Coming to America, Die Hard, The Deadpool, and then there was the release of Midnight Run, which is such a fun movie. Yeah, we're not starting all time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, going to the following week, because I'm trying to find a week where Die Hard actually made it to top top film. And in the next week, it didn't either. Number one film was Cocktail. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> Cocktail has its fans. Uh, it's it, it's uh, got like a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. But Something like that. Yeah. A, a lot of people... I mean, it's, it's Cruise, isn't it? So yeah. uh, Cocktail is... is a fun watch, but not a sit down and criticize it minute by minute because that, no, that won't. Definitely not. I'm not going to. I don't. I don't know enough about mixing drinks to do that. That's for sure. So the that week, the the week of of the 29th to the 31st of July, you have Cocktail, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, and Die Hard, followed by Midnight Run. Okay, so then we will get Jay's birthday weekend, August 5th through the 7th. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Once again, cocktail number one. <laughs> Who Framed Dr. Rabbit 2, Die Hard 3, Coming to America 4, and A Fish Called Wanda 5. So it, it's not looking good. I mean, people didn't apparently like Die Hard that much when it came out. <laughs> or at least they, they liked cocktail more. You know, and, and then the following week, you have Young Guns came out, which that was number one, followed by Cocktail, Die Hard, Fish Called Wanda, and Who Framed Dr. Rabbit. I mean, I'm I'm just amazed at the fact that, you know, as much as we all love Die Hard, it just didn't get enough love. Then even the following week, I'm not we're not going to go through the entire year, don't worry. But even the following week, you have A Nightmare on Elm Street four, followed by Young Guns, and then Die Hard. I, I mean, it's still it's nice to see that Die Hard still stayed, you know, well, that's high it, up. It, it. It had longevity. Like, when does it drop out of the top five? It was, it, it was sixteen. It was. It's not until October until right. it's out of the top. Like, it gets up to number two in September. Yeah, like that's that's really impressive. I mean, yeah, obviously it lasted seven, sixteen weeks. It lasted sixteen weeks in in the theater, and the lowest it ranked was its first week when it ranked sixteen. After that, it ranked thirteen. That was the lowest, besides the sixteen, and that was for two that weeks does. in a row at the end of October. That's, so, that's good word of mouth. That's really yes. good word of mouth. I mean, yeah. obviously, times were different back then. There were fewer films. You didn't, like, these days, films get a week, and then there's another huge tempo to steamroll out of the way. Right. But even still, like, 16 weeks in, in the theaters. Right. And yeah, the highest, making it to number one. That's right. The highest it made was number two, was the weekend of September 16th to the 18th, where Fish Called Wanda was number one. <laughs> it, it makes me laugh that Fish Called Wanda like perpetually beat Die Hard every yeah. week. Oh no, well not every week, but but that particular week, yes. Yeah. I mean, again, it was it was by I think ten, uh, maybe it was ten thousand dollars that year that that week. Yeah. Because the Fish Called Wanda made two point five 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 million, and Die Hard made two point five four four. So again, we're 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 talking it's pretty close, and Die Hard was in more screens. Die Hard had a hundred and 60 more screens. So, 
it was competing with Nightmare on Street 4, as you mentioned, which, yeah. of course, directed by Rennie Harlan. There you go. Who would uh, go on Who, who maybe we'll talk about in a year or two from now. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Definitely. So, Die Hard then, you know, it lasted 16 weeks in the theater, which is great. I remember when it came out on video, it must have been probably in March or April the following year. And I remember wanting to see it. And a really good friend of mine also wanted to see it. But his, and we were going to watch it at his house. So we went to the video store, we rented it. And the problem was, is that his parents didn't allow him to watch R-rated movies. So we were sitting in their living room and watching the movie. And every time that his parents would walk by, we'd have to, you know, quickly turn it off. As if, as if, you know, we were doing something wrong. I mean, it's, it's funny thinking about it now, you know, thinking back, you know, 30 plus years when, when I did this, you know, it's just completely absurd that that's what we did. You know, I don't know why we just didn't say, okay, let's go and watch it at my house. Cause my parents, that would make more sense. Yeah. That would have made more sense. I can't, I can't give an explanation as to uh, why. The folly of youth. Yes, completely. And I loved it, even watching it in short segments. Not as short as the segments that we're watching, that, that we've watched it for today, but still. <laughs> and then I remember that it, it debuted in August on HBO. And I was on a, um, I was on a trip with a youth group to the West Coast. And I remember that, you know, we would stay in motels and most motels at the time would have free HBO. And just about every night, me and a group of my friends would sit and watch Die Hard uh, because it was always on and it was just yeah. a lot of fun. It's a good you summer. Know. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. And during that summer, we actually went to see a filming of one of the first episodes of Family Matters with Reginald Bell Johnson. Ah. And the group of us was made. stood up and started screaming to him, you know, what's in that Twinkie? <laughs> and he just burst out laughing. <laughs> I've tried to get in touch with him. He hasn't responded yet. You know, hopefully I will get him on this. I doubt he will remember the fact that a group of people, a group of kids screamed at him, you know, what's in that Twinkie? And he and uh, I think it was, uh, what's her name, Thelma? I don't, I don't remember the actress's name who was standing next to her. She started screaming, die hard, die hard, you know, pumping her fist at the same time. And so the, the two of them just cracked up. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So die hard. <laughs> why? <laughs> no, there's no why here. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's, there's no why not. Yes. It's just, it's the perfect film. I, I believe uh, so. It, As you're going to talk about in the next yes. several months. Yeah. Yes. I mean, this this is the movie that I originally, when, when, when you and I discussed a year and a half ago, you know, trying to get me to start one of these, this is the one I wanted to do. And because of the aforementioned group, Die Hard, I just figured I couldn't do it. And I saw that someone had already signed up for the rest of the Die Hard. So I was like, all right, fine, forget it. I'll find something else. And that's why I started with The Great Escape. The, the truth is, I'm glad I started with The Great Escape because it, it gave me much more experience, you know, and to be able to do Die Hard on my third season, as opposed to doing it on the first, you know, will, will help make it that much better uh, for me and hopefully for all my listeners. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you mentioned all two of Pete you. and Alex. What? You, you, <laughs> I'm sure you have more than that. You, you mentioned Pete and Alex from Star Wars Minute at the start, yeah. who I think are on their 10th season because they're doing solo at the moment. Uh, they, they've uh, said before, I'm not sure if it was one of their Patreon episodes, that they kind of regret starting with Star Wars with episode four, uh, because that's made, they, they consider that to be one of their weaker seasons because it was kind of uh, uh, finding their feet. And right. They so it sounds like they almost wish they'd started with the prequels to kind of get them out of the way whilst they were learning how to do it and then really delve into the the meat of, of chapter four, episode four. Right. Uh, so I think, not not of course, not that The Great Escape is a throwaway film to practice on. The Great Escape is a film I'd maybe rank higher than Die Hard. <laughs> a tall Great Escape. Uh, I wouldn't but, rank it higher, but it would be close. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, obviously I love the great escape and now I love it even more because I know even more about it than I did before. There we go. <laughs> I know more than most people should know. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> You've certainly seen it more times than most people should. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. So the movie begins with a shot of 20th Century Fox logo. So 20th Century Fox was a 
studio that was founded in 1935, and it was one of the big six major film studios. And it was formed by the merger between Fox and 20th, the Fox Film Corporation and 20th Century Pictures. And they, it was renamed in 1985, 20th Century Fox Film Corporation. They, they took out the hyphen for some reason because they were acquired by the News Corporation, which eventually was succeeded by the 21st Century Fox in 2013. I mean, basically what happened was is that uh, Daryl Zanuck left United Artists along with uh, Joseph uh, Schenck because they had a stock dispute and they decided to get in touch with uh, the president of Fox Film, whose name was Sidney Kent, and they decided to make this uh, 20th Century Fox. Now, for me, 20th Century Fox, the the thing that it's always been connected with is is Star Wars. No question about that. You know, I th I think of the sound from 20th Century Fox. It doesn't matter what movie I'm watching. If I hear the the fanfare, the first thing I think of is Star Wars. You know, because it, okay. to me, it always looked like the the spotlights that they use. They look like lights of lightsabers, <laughs> even though See, I know I, I know that they're not. <laughs> I I always hear people associate like, oh, when you hear like the the MGM lion roar, what's the film you think of? That I've never connected any studio logo with any film. <laughs> like I I couldn't tell you. I'm I'm terrible at what studios make any kind of films, so I do not connect 20th Century Fox with Star Wars, Die Hard, anything at all. Well, I don't I connect don't, it. I, I just said I don't. I don't connect it to Die Hard. I connect it to you know. I I don't start paying attention to a film until after the logos. I, I, there's no connection to it in my head. It just doesn't work. Okay, I mean like, for Jurassic me, Jurassic Park is my favorite film. I don't know which studio made it. I have no idea. Um, it, it's Universal, I think, isn't it? Couldn't tell you. Probably it's it's in the Universal uh, uh, Studios Park, I think. Uh, but it just there like. It doesn't make any kind of connection in my head as to what the studio is. I don't, that's not something I care about. Okay. No, that's fair. That's completely <laughs> fair. So the, they have also the, the fanfare, which was composed by Alfred Newman in 1933. You, do you at least know what the, the 20th Century Fox fanfare is? Yeah. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> no, now you got into Star Wars, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> 20th Century Fox also has been the studio that has brought out some of the highest grossing movies ever. You know, you have Avatar came out from them, Titanic, uh, all the Star Wars movies. You have uh, Ice Age. Uh, Independence and, uh, Day. Not, not all the Star Wars movies. Some of the more recent ones aren't Fox, are they? They're still considered part of Fox because Disney oh, bought right. up. Oh, of course, because Disney bought Fox. Disney bought Fox. Right. Of they did. Um, and you have the the X Men movies. So yeah, I mean they, they've they've made a lot of money on movies over the years. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. So after the shot of that, we get the sound of an airplane overhead. And on the screen, we get a shot of a Gordon Company Silver Pictures production. Yeah, listening to the just just listening to the first uh, episode, the first chapter, I did think we were back to plane strange automobiles. Yeah, yeah. Have the, same, the exact same plane landing. I was I was thinking the same thing. As I was <laughs> you can use the good. same intro music. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I doubt it. I think I'm, I think I'm going to change it a little bit because I don't want it to be just you know a a plane. Because the other one had the added bonus of a plane, a train, and an automobile. This one will only have a plane. So I don't know. I mean, there there are there are cars in the film. I don't think there's any trains. Um, um, not in this one. Not in this one. Planes in, planes in the third one. In, in Die Hard with a Vengeance, we'll, we'll get some. We'll get some trains. Yeah. yeah. So planes, and, elevators, and automobiles. Yes. Yeah. And, and Die Hard Two has a lot of planes. A lot of planes. <laughs> And yeah, we do have some automobiles there too. Yeah. Yeah, true. and there's a little there's a little buggy that they drive around the airport. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true also. And then we got a shot of the of the airplane landing, and then on the screen we get a John McTiernan film. So yeah, John McTiernan, that's a storied career. That is definitely a storied career. So what 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 do you know about John Mc John McTiernan? Uh, he directed Die Hard. He directed Predator. He went to prison. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he directed a little more than that. <laughs> uh, Last Action Hero, I think, was him as well. That's uh, right. And so yeah. was so was uh, the Hunt for Red October. Uh, he rollable. Also... What? Rollable. Rollable. Well, Rollable was his, was his finer. Fine... No, was was Rollable his fine fine? No, base, basic. Basic since Rollable. That's yeah. right. Basic, basic was it wasn't. That oh, yeah, the Thomas Crown Affair as well, and of course Die Hard Three. Yeah, I mean he he only has twelve movie credits on the IMDb. One of them is something that's in pre-production. So I don't know if from prison. I know he's been out of prison for for almost a decade, but still, you know, he hasn't done very much. He's he's had some very interesting problems over the years. So the he's he's had some very interesting problems over the years, but but he happens to be a great director with some of the movies that you that you can see. You know the way that he he does them. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll get to him later this week also because there's a connection to him to one of the actors that we're gonna see. But do, do you know why he went to prison? Do you uh, know what the whole story I, I have was? I've known in the past, but I can't remember right now. He hired a private investigator to illegally wiretap the phone calls of the co-producer of the movie Rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember the story now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So this, <laughs> what a reason to go to prison. And and then he eventually also, yeah, I mean, and it was it was in court for for over a decade. His whole case, it made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, who refused to even listen to his case. You know, they said we're not, we're not even going to waste our time with your case. <laughs> so w- when did he actually get? Uh, uh, incarcerated because he was out in he was in he was in prison from April 2013 to February 2014. Okay, right. So it was it was a little less than a year. I thought it was a lot earlier than that. Yeah, I, I feel like I've always known the director of Die Hard went to prison, even like before he went to prison. It seems right. Uh, but fair enough. Right, and the, the the funniest thing is is that the during the court cases when they found out that he had uh, tapped someone else's also. Tap someone else's, and who whose did he tap? He he tapped he tapped his his ex wife's phone while they were in the middle of their divorce negotiations. Yeah, that was the second a one reasonable thing to do. Of course, nothing nothing untoward who, there. Who was a film producer? His 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 wife uh, Donna Dubrow. And uh, yeah, <laughs> certain things. You know, he he made a lot of money making movies, but he you can't say he's the brightest person around. <laughs> these type of things what can i tell you and and what's funny is is that when he was in prison he actually got support from samuel l jackson alec baldwin and brad bird they all uh you know supported him i think on on facebook or whatever a free john mctiernan uh what, what's, what's the brad bird connection i guess no idea absolutely no idea cross <laughs> Absolutely no idea. So he he's, he was imprisoned for 328 days and then needed to serve the rest of his his one-year sentence in uh, under house arrest in his home. He, has, he had this huge ranch in Wyoming, which he needed to sell once he uh, filed for bankruptcy, not long afterwards. So, yeah, he... <laughs> Not someone you really want to, or not someone that anyone wants to hire since 2003. I mean, think about it. He's yeah. he's he's a director who made some amazing movies that nobody wants to even go near for 20 years. Uh, it seems like Brad Bird just a fan of Die Hard. Uh, okay. In, in, a, in a quick Google. So am I. <laughs> yeah. If I would, I wouldn't necessarily put support his way, especially since we know that many people in Hollywood do some crazy and stupid things. So, just because I mean, they're not, good, not just in Hollywood, all over the world. No, that's true. Uh, but yeah. the ones in Hollywood are 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 we're, we're able to see more. Certainly more public, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little more public what they do. So then we we get a shot of a of someone's arm on a armrest on the plane. We see that it's a uh, man who has a wedding ring on his fourth fourth finger on his uh, on his arm. And he's sitting next to this businessman who is reading a magazine. I unfortunately couldn't tell what magazine he's reading, so I couldn't tell you. But the, the businessman is wearing a vest, has a loosened tie. You know, he has a pen in his shirt pocket. You know, the typical businessman type of thing. Yeah. And then right after that, we get the Bruce Willis credit. 
So Bruce Willis, the star of this movie, uh, was okay. born on the 19th of March, 1955. So as of recording, he is 67 years old. He has 118 movie credits, which is astounding for a someone who, who was a top-tier actor. Most of, most of his credits over the last few years have been, you know, just small little roles in a lot of little action films that a friend of the show, Darren, loves to watch. I don't, you know. <laughs> and he has 14 TV credits, including his uh, 66th episode stint on Moonlighting from 1985 to 1989, which is what he was most famous for when this movie was being made. It was, it was making them both at the same time, yes. wasn't he? Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I was going to talk about this tomorrow, but today seems apt where I've always considered Bruce Willis to be like an older guy. Uh, but just doing, doing research for this, uh, in, in Die Hard, he is one year younger than I am now. And this did not please me when I found out this information. I've always considered, I'll jump on He's a, he's an older guy, but he's Bruce Willis is 33 in, in this film. I am 34. I'm not happy about this. That is all. Because you haven't been able to achieve everything that he's achieved at this age? Uh, no, it's just I just always considered him to be older than I am. And unfortunately, uh, where he stopped aging in this film, I, I continued to do so. Uh, well, as, as we've discussed, I, I, think, I think we discussed this last year, but, you know, last season. But, you know, th th there's an alternative. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's to be immortalized in film and never and stop aging. That's well, we're we're being immortalized on podcasts. That that's where okay. we'll come. You know, we'll, our voices will not age. Has that? Fine. For as, I'll, I'll have to do. I it's, suppose it's the best there is, Jay. What can I yeah. say? <laughs> I'm not here looking for a a, a solution to this. It just uh, I'm just telling you my my researching process. <laughs> get get cracking on 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 uh, finding the the way to live forever. There you go, and then you'll be able to say that that I can always be just one year older than than John McClane, and that's it. Yes. We'll be good. So you'll you'll be looking forward to the fact that if if and when I do Die Hard two, so you'll be able to say that you are one year younger. <laughs> yes, than John yes, McClane, yes. If we do it quick enough, yeah. Yeah, if we do it quick enough, yeah. <laughs> and or or you might just have the same gripe again, you know. We'll have to wait, wait and see. So then we, we get to see this businessman. So the businessman is played by an actor named Robert Lesser, who was born in 1942. In On the 22nd of October, he will be 80 years old uh, later this year. He has 29 movie credits, 27 TV credits. And he's what, – what's really interesting is when I was going through his his credits – so there's there's a movie called An American Rhapsody, where he is given a his credit is the producers and director wish to thank, which uh, I found to be really strange. You know why would someone well, would why you would have something an, like that? He's an actor in there as well. Yes, he, he is, that, yeah, that, so then yes, that is true. And then when I did a little bit of research on it, I found that that the producers and directors thanked 43 people this way. So it wasn't as special as I thought it was. <laughs> well, I, was like, I was like, my, wow, uh, what did he do to make, you know, the director and producers wish to thank him personally? And apparently he showed up. He showed up. <laughs> but he's in one of my co-host Mark's favorite films, Ernest Saves Christmas. There you go. <laughs> uh, for my, I've never seen. <laughs> well, he probably doesn't give Ernest as good advice as, as he will give our good friend shortly. Is it good advice or is it terrible advice? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that tomorrow, but for today, we'll call it. We'll the, call it Chekhov's advice. How's that? He is the the <laughs> least observant uh, uh, passenger aboard this plane, I would say, because he's waited until they land to notice that that Bruce Willis, John McClane, uh, is isn't a fan of flying. No, that's because it, no, that's because during the landing he sees that he's gripping the armrest. Yes, I, I get that. Uh, but in my experience, people who are not fans of flying are not fans of flying throughout the entire flight, not just right at the end. So we only see him grip the, the, the plane rest, but there would have been similar uh, uh, tension from, from Bruce uh, during okay. takeoff, any during turbulence at all. My only theory is that this guy, businessman as he's credited, uh, sat down and fell asleep immediately. 
which I've, I've done before. I, I I love flying. I've had no problems with it at all. So occasionally I will sit down and wake up mid-flight and just miss the entire takeoff. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I've, when I've happens. had that happen. I've uh, had that happen. I was even once on a flight where I slept almost the entire flight and then got really upset because the stewardess woke me up to see if I wanted my meal. And I was I was lying down on on the on the seats at the time, you know. See, I, I I'd never want to miss. I actually I hate sleeping on a plane, because uh, that's that's prime film watching time. That's true. Like you're 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 trapped in a cinema with wings, as far as I'm concerned. I, trapped? And, I don't know. If trapped is the right word. <laughs> but you you can't get out. Uh, <laughs> but why would you want to? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, um, so, so when I when I've sat down and fallen asleep, I've I've missed like a film and a half I could have watched. Oh, oh well. <laughs> what can you do? I, I I don't fly that often, so you know I I I, I find time to watch movies. You know I don't need to be trapped in a plane for that. It, well, maybe I do. Uh, Apparently, it's, Apparently. it's yeah. the only it's the only time that you have when you have nothing else to do. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> then uh, the we get a zoom out on both the passengers, and we he actually takes a look and sees that John McClane is quite tense. So then he turns to him and says, "You don't like flying, do you?" <laughs> and then McClane's response is, "What gives you that?" And then it gets cut off. So we we'll have to wait until tomorrow to find out what what he's talking about there. But who knows? <laughs> so, Jay, do you have anything else you want to say about this particular minute? No, it is a pretty light minute on, on content, yet we're still, the episode is already over half an hour long, uh, somehow. So, no, I have nothing else to add well, it's, on it's, this. It's, 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 it's not as light as the first episode of Clint uh, Strange Automobile as well. This is true. It's very true. There we got to see uh, a building and a watch. <laughs> yep. Here, at least, we get to see people talking. Even though they each only have one line, who knows? This is true. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that, that that I'm going to be doing every day, and it won't be as much discrepancies as I had for playing and Automobiles, but I'm going to go through the script. The Wait, there's no six-hour version of Die Hard? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. No. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the the script does have some discrepancies here and there. And just going to mention a few of them. So first of all, the the script begins not on the airplane. It begins uh, on a shot of a, the freeway, right? It, it says the 405 freeway, Los Angeles, early evening, Christmas tinsel on the light poles. We are looking east past Inglewood into the orange grid of L.A. at night when suddenly we tilt up to catch the huge belly of a landing 747. The noise is deafening. And then it shows the interior of... The, the plane with the passengers and says the usual moment just after landing when you let out the sigh of relief that you've made it in one piece as the plane taxis to its gate they stir gather personal belongings then there's a shot on john mcclain mid-30s good-looking athletic and tired from his trip he sits by the window his relief on landing is subtle but we notice suddenly he hears and then you have a it's a salesman's voice you don't like flying do you mcclain turns Looks at the Babbitt clone next to him. Caught, he tenses, holds his armrests in exaggerated fear. No, no, where'd you get that? And then that gets cut off also. So not that many differences here. It's pretty much the same thing. I like the the, the way that they describe John McClane. You know, mid-30s, good-looking, younger than, than Jay. Uh, <laughs> and... I, I like the fact that here they refer to him as a salesman and they decided to change it to a businessman. I don't really know that why they would make a change to that. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. Now, the, the, there was the term Babbitt clone that threw me. What was that? Uh, there you go. How did you know that that's what I was going to talk about next? <laughs> I, I didn't. That's why I jumped in. But what, what, is, what is. Okay. I don't do know what the, what, the word Babbitt, what are you talking about? Okay, so Babbitt was a satirical novel written by Sinclair Lewis in 1922. And it was all about American culture and society that critiques the, the, the way that the middle class life and social pressure towards conformity works. Okay. okay. And 
the basically in the English language, the word Babbitt means a person and especially a business or professional man who conforms unthinkingly to prevailing middle class standards. So basically, they're saying this guy is dressed typically like a businessman. Yeah. That, that's what they're trying a to say. Corporate here. stooge. Okay. Yes, completely. Now, when when I first heard this, I thought he said Bobbitt. Sorry, when I read it, I thought we were talking about a Bobbitt clone. Do you know who uh, Bobbitt was? I do not. John Bobbitt? Never heard nope. of him? No. Nope. I'm sure you have, but you just didn't know. It's <laughs> John and Lorena Bobbitt were a couple that were married in 1989. And in 1993, their relationship received press coverage all around the world when they found out that she actually cut his penis off with a knife while he was sleeping. Okay. You've really never heard of him? Nope. Wow. Okay. Uh, apparently he got his penis surgically reattached and she claimed that he was raping her and abusing her for years. And earlier that evening, she had apparently assaulted him and decided that she's going to get her revenge. She went into the kitchen Brought that, took out a butcher knife, and the rest is part of history. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they obviously got divorced. <laughs> You'd think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not going to yeah, go so, into too so, much detail. I've found, so, I've found so, more detail on this, but, you know, this so, is not well, the guy sitting next to as a, as a Bobbit clone, is it like he's a little loose in the crotch kind of thing? Well, that, that's why I wasn't sure. It, that's why it didn't make sense. So that's why I looked up to find out what a Bobbit clone in the, the legs of his trousers. <laughs> Who knows? Could be any of those things. <laughs> so another thing that I'm going to be doing as often as I can is this this book this movie was was we didn't mention this before this movie is based on a book called nothing lasts forever that was written by Roderick Thorpe in 1978 and it was a sequel to another book that he had written a decade earlier called the detective which was made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra so one of the things that that the controversies of making this movie was, you know, who would play the character of John McClane? And part of Sinatra's contract for the te detective was if they ever were to make a sequel to that movie and the character's name in the book and in the detective is Joe Leland, it's not uh, John McClane. So they first had to offer it to Sinatra, which, you know, I cannot imagine Sinatra playing this character, especially since he was 73 at the time. But I think it could have been, they could have had a nice cameo like if, if he'd been the guy next to uh, uh, Bruce on the plane. That could have been fun. Like, I don't know if he, Sinatra would have, would have agreed to do that. I don't think he would have. I'm just saying it would have been nice if he had, like as a, a show of good faith, to like pass the torch onto this new guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't see it happen. Yeah. I don't think so. Do you, do you know any of the other actors that were supposed to be cast? Oh, there's there's dozens. It's like everyone who was working at that time. Yeah, uh, Bruce Willis like was Bruce like Willis the hundredth choice or something like. Yeah, that. <laughs> so any actor working in in eighty eight was a uh, higher choice than him. <laughs> and and for some reason, you know, he, I, I can't see any of them being able to do this character the same way that he did. No, it would have been a very different film for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know any of the people that were that that were supposed I, to I be? I think like I think I heard about Reynolds, Schwarzenegger. You mentioned Stallone. Uh, like I said, just just all of the big guys who were working then. Uh, I mean, I I remember that Richard Gere was the main person they wanted. Yeah. Which I I feel like of of the uh, I, I feel like he would have been the closest uh, of of the other non McLeans. I feel like Richard Gere because he can do comedic. He maybe is a little too handsome because Richard Gage just has one of those faces like oh, that's he's not a real person. That's not how people look. That's you've got to you put the slider too far in the handsome direction. Right. Just scale it back a little bit. Uh, so he would, but then that kind of would have fit into the John McLean because you know later this week he just walks past the lady and she stops to check him out. Uh, right. So we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that later this week. That, yeah. There, there's more to that. But uh, so the, the list of people that I saw that were that they tried getting to play this role that all declined. And I wonder how many of them are kicking themselves 34 years later still that they didn't do it. 
You have Richard Gere, Sylvester Stallone, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Schwarzenegger, Clint Eastwood, Robert De Niro, Charles Bronson, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson, you know, MacGyver, Burt Reynolds, and Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen would be a terrible choice. Uh, he's fine in some films. He would have been awful here. I feel like, uh, yeah, Richard Gill would work. Um, there was another one that you said that immediately left my head that I thought also would have been a good one. Richard D. Anderson? No. Charles uh, Bronson? De Niro? No. No. Mel Gibson? Yeah, I, I think, yes. I think Gibson would have worked. I'm glad it wasn't him. Uh, just because of what allegations and everything that's come out since. Uh, I, I like to be able to enjoy Die Hard. I don't enjoy some earlier Mel Gibson films these days. No, but Mel Gibson uh, but also a year before made a lethal made a lethal weapon. So yeah, that's I, why it had been too similar. It would have been well, no, it would have been too crazy to have him as the the, the actor. You know? Yes, I agree. Yeah. All right. So as I started saying, the novel that this is based on. So it starts off and it doesn't start off in L.A. It actually starts off in St. Louis, where we have the the main character driving in a taxi on his way to the airport and they seem to have a little bit of a problem because the the taxi gets into a little fender bender with some guy in the station wagon who starts screaming at them and you know joe leland complains about the fact that he has 20 minutes to catch a, a, his flight you know which those were the days when you can actually try to get to an airport 20 minutes beforehand and hope to get on the plane you know yeah we'll see we'll see later this week things that don't happen in airports anymore yes um, there are many of those that we will get to that's for sure and then he finally gets on the plane and then a lot happens on the plane but i'm gonna actually wait until a little later this week to, to tell you what happened on the plane even though he's still on the plane so every monday we have a segment called die hard on a monday where my guest will tell us their top five Movies that are based on the diehard genre. So, Jay, what have you got for us? Okay, so I, I wanted to keep it. I feel like the diehard genre, the villains of it have to be people, terrorists, criminals of some kind. So, you can't have something like uh, Daylight as a film I really adore, where it's like one man against everything, but the everything is the elements. Well, <laughs> um, elements, so, you know, you, you can do that too. <laughs> well, I, so I've, well, I've tried to keep it as. There are there are people who are the problem with this, and it's one guy in a in a bad situation trying to overcome it. And I've also tried to not have any of the Die Hard sequels on my list of Die Hard films, so otherwise, Die with a Vengeance would be up there. So number five is Die Hard on uh, Air Force One, which is the film Air Force Air Force One. Okay. Harrison Ford. Uh, the great thing about all of these films is the supporting cast. So the likes of like William H Macy is a great like background player. Yeah, I loved him in that one. Die Hard one. Yeah, Air Force One. Uh, number four, Speed, is maybe the classic Die Hard on a Bus. One of the, I think, I reckon that's going to be a lot higher on on people's lists throughout the course of this podcast. But which, for me, which I, is something that that apparently a friend of the show, uh, Roger, is going to be doing, you know, a minute by minute podcast of Speed. And I look forward to being on that show. Hopefully, if you'll like, have me, me I want some Alan Ruck minutes. I love Alan Ruck. Uh, number three is a film I watched very recently over on Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, is Cliffhanger. Die Hard on a Mountain. Uh, with, with, with Stallone, John Lithgow. Like, uh, a, a believable fist fight between Sylvester Stallone and John Lithgow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something that should not work, but does. Because <laughs> it's on an upturned helicopter. Uh, number two is Die Hard on Alcatraz. Is The Rock. It's, it's two guys, and it's, it's that rare instance of where the guys head into the situation to help out rather than being there already to to try and fix it. But uh, the combo of Connery and Cage is a thing of beauty, yes. uh, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then number one, as I'm sure you could probably have guessed, Die Hard on a plane taken over by criminals is Connor. It, it could be nothing else. Uh, yes. You know, you're doing... You're doing Die Hard minute by minute. Uh, very soon after this podcast comes out, I will be releasing Connor chapter by chapter. So, there you go. So, uh, in, in, in another week or so, people will be able to, you know, a, a to, couple to of weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, soon. Keep yes. an ear out, everyone. All right. Sounds good. Great. So, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll plug something different every day because uh, I have many things to plug. 
Uh, so I, I will do the thing we just talked about with Con Air, the podcast. Uh, just search for Con Air, the podcast, anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, we, I'm pretty sure all of our social media will be at Con Air Pod, uh, if I can get all those handles, which I have some of them, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Uh, it's it's very similar to this show, but, but Con Air, and instead of minute by minute, it, instead of daily minute by minute, it's weekly, chapter by chapter, so that's the schedule that works best for me and my co-host Mark. Uh, where we've we've taken the the classic cage action thriller, Con Air, with thousands of supporting character actors uh, as various convicts and guards and everything, and we broke it up into forty DVD chapters. There, there's actually technically eighteen DVD chapters on the DVD, but how that broke down was really unbalanced. There's a, like a huge action set piece in the centre of the film, which is one chapter, <laughs> and that, which is like fifteen minutes of. of that would have taken like and three to four minutes hours. Is long. too long for you guys to talk about. It's what far too long. People <laughs> could, like, can, you, can you imagine talking about one film for a podcast? Honestly, <laughs> uh, or well, an entire franchise like I used to do. Uh, but yeah, so Conair the podcast is where Mark and I are having a wonderful time talking about Conair, the right. best Die Hard on a on a podcast on a, on a film. Die, die Hard on a podcast. There you go. I, I, I've said it before that pod, if there isn't a podcast called Die Hard on a podcast, going through all of the Die Hard like adjacent films, then someone someone somewhere is missing a trick. Well, there you go. Now you know what to do after Connor. I have too many. I have too, no, 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 <laughs> stop it. You have, you have I'm, I'm not the right Ryan, person. Right? <laughs> I'm not the right person to to do uh, Die Hard on a podcast. I know some some other people who would be much better at than I am, and they should be doing that. <laughs> you, DJ you, Valentine. You, you have to do Saving uh, Private Ryan first, right? Yes, of course, one death at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And finding me is very simple. You just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute, and you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go to my website. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay.